Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May of 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast. On the left. That's when the cannibalism started. What was that? Now we're good. I'd like to say for one, as we start this show, uh, I believe Robert Durst is innocent. (laughs) Why are you coming out in favor of Robert Durst? I think he's cute and fun, and I think he's sweet, and I think he's got a bad rap. You love him for the money, Henry. You want to pull an Anna Nicole Smith and marry that millionaire. I'm just saying, if he gave me a chance, I could make the final years of his life in jail sweet years. (laughs) He's going to do so well in jail. Uh, You know, I just... Every man has his reasons. Mm -hmm. I don't want to put that as a sort of blanket term for all murder. But I think with Robert Durson specific, in specific terms, he has had his reasons. Mm. Yes, I he killed his wife. He Absolutely killed his just wife. Just because he didn't like her, though. But that's not yeah. a good reason to kill somebody. It's a reason. It is a re- <laughs> there's a reason for everything. He killed that old man in cold blood. And fucking chopped up his body with yeah. a with a bone saw. Yeah, he, and he was up old. His, he was he in was, his sixties when and he did that. Takes physical work. Yeah, that's hard. Fifties, right? <laughs> I I'd say they should give him a medal for even be able to crack that guy's fucking spine in order to rip his head off. They're saying in order to rip his head off, he couldn't get the bone saw through his fucking neck bones. How many so, times, huh? You know, <laughs> he had to step on the neck and literally wiggle the head back and forth until it came off the body. Uh-huh. And that takes reasons. That's good. <laughs> Robert Durst, a man of reason. It's good to treat somebody, treat your neighbor's head like a toddler's tooth. Just wiggle it out. Yeah, what I say, what wiggle I, what it say, off. What I think is a good way to get a homeless man's head, a near homeless man's head removed from his body is you tie a little string about it, tie it to a doorknob, slam the doorknob. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right, that... Uh... <laughs> All right. Am I paralyzed okay, you with two. my my Robert my Robert yes. Durst defense? Please? Yes. I mean, he made a bit of a mistake with the reality show. Mm. Usually, when you're a triple murderer, you like Ooh. to keep a little hush hush, you know. But he uh, started speaking while peeing, and that'll get anybody in trouble. I can defense attorney that whole confession, but I won't do this here. Good. I do believe I believe that you can say he was sarcastically running out a conversation to himself. <laughs> <laughs> well, perhaps we'll cover Robert Durst and millionaire murderers on another episode. But now we got a guy who is actually oh, good at murder. And he mm-hmm. is poor as hell. Oh, uh, of course, yeah. it's part two of Mr. Edmund Kemper's story. We haven't really gotten to the gruesome dark stuff, but we're about to get into it now. Now, this is... Uh, 
Yeah, let's get let's really get dig into this fucking huge loser. Huh? <laughs> Again, back to talk about like Edmund Kemper, a largely in my mind the biggest sociopath murderer. Not even just physically. I think like in terms of deep sociopathy, he is up there. Uh, well, in terms he was a of a hell of a good bartender, and no one gives him credit for that. Was he? Yeah. Yep. He was a bartender? Yeah, that's what it was. Huh? No. He was working at a bar. No, he wasn't. Man, he just hung out at the bar. He drank at a bar. Well, I'm sure they let him behind the bar every now and again to sling suds. Have you been telling bartenders that you're a bartender? <laughs> that you, you can walk behind the What's bar? The, when yeah. you walk into the bar, the, the, the waiter... It's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Yeah. I'm a bartender. It's, I, I know where all the gin right. is and know where all the vodka is, and I'll give you a tip. It's in my belly. Hey, my name is Ben. <laughs> right. You walk in, you're the bartender... Then you get to drink everything. Um, so this is we're getting into uh, Edmund Kemper's first victims. We've now watched him, so he's rehearsed a lot. Yeah, up until this point, which I also think is a very big difference between him and other serial killers is the straight up rehearsal time. It takes ten thousand hours to become an expert. Practice, practice, <laughs> practice. How do I get to prison in the future? Practice, practice, practice. Yeah, he has been practicing for quite a while, and he does. If you'll remember, he does already have two murders under his belt. He has killed his grandparents at this point. Grandparents don't count. <laughs> they do. They count for one. <laughs> they definitely do, though. So it's on May 7th, 1972, when he cannot resist the urge any longer. He picks up two college girls, Mary Ann Pesky and Anita Lucessa. They're hitchhiking on a freeway ramp. He describes Mary as... Haughty, stuck up, not beautiful, not ugly, and distant. Seems you know, like he's lived in opposite town. It does <laughs> seem like that because the last thing I think of a hitchhiker when I see them is, oh, they come from class. Look at that wealthy woman just hitchhiking like everyone should give her a ride for free. But in this How time period, haughty. it really was very true. Like there was a lot of hitchhiking was very, very normal. Yeah, but the Hiltons of the world weren't doing it. It was still a very middle-class mode of transportation. Yeah, it was Wilton Hilton, the 80-year-old <laughs> progeny of the entire family who created the empire. He yeah. wasn't hitchhiking because he was riding slaves in 1972. <laughs> he had a slave. He did. Yes, and he's hopped on his back for her. Mm. Um, but this is, we're going to see, this is where the pattern emerges, mm. where he views a woman who does not immediately engage with his nice guy personality, and he views her as stuck-up, haughty, one of the bitches that his mom won't let him meet. Oh, mom! <laughs> mom! And all he wants to do is um, rape. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, this girl, Marianne Pesky, she was an experienced hitchhiker. She didn't want to get in. Her red flags immediately went off because, for one, uh, this is something, a little mistake that he made as far as picking up like doubles. He had a coupe. Uh, his Ford Galaxy didn't. You had to pull the seat back, which is in a very get in. creepy thing to do because essentially yeah. you get in that back seat. If you can't get through the front seat, you're trapped in the car, completely trapped. So Marianne didn't want to get in, but Anita, who was new to hitchhiking and thought, "Oh, this big man, he's fine," she convinced her to get in, and Ed also pulled. The watch. Watch. Maneuver. I got some place to be. Yeah. I'm sorry. I got to yeah, go got to the giant shoe store. They're yeah. <laughs> they're bringing in a shipment of leather to make me some new heels. I'm a performer. Yeah. <laughs> so they were going to Stanford University. Ed he knew the entire area very well from his time at the highway department, and so he d started driving them around without them knowing that he had changed directions. He wasn't going to Stanford University. He was going to a remote location. Classic maneuver. Truly, though, that has got to be very frightening when he's saying that basically you're an hour into your trip and you're like where the hell are we going mm -hmm. and he's just like 
Eep. And he pulls that twenty two out from underneath his seat. Yep, he pulled a twenty two caliber handgun from underneath his seat. He started by handcuffing Pesky into the back seat. Uh, and about what he told her, here's what he said. I said, you know, I'm running the show here, or some cliche. There's absolutely no contact with improper areas. In fact, I think once I accidentally, this but this bothers me too, personally. I brushed, I think, with the back of my hand against one of her breasts when I touched it, and it, it embarrassed me. I mm. even said, whoops, I'm sorry. Whoops. Yeah. yeah. Classic. I mean, this, what a fucking... But this is the deeper, deeper lie. You're now looking at when he starts... When these quotes all come from the confessions that he made, like, literally, either... It was minutes up to after he was caught to, like, a couple of months. Yeah. And so these confessions were for his benefit. That's the, that is my perspective on him, always. I yeah. would just say, don't let him handcuff you. You know? Just yeah. the, just yeah. go with the No. I mean, start running. He's got a, a 22 caliber handgun. Get shot. In your face. Just get shot. <laughs> I mean, you're going to get shot with handcuffs on or without them. Yeah, so don't, I, I never would say go with that. Flail. You want I am flail. A, I am a squealing, twisting monster. <laughs> if I make, never kidnap make him you, will never, you'll never catch me. Mm-hmm. I will just be like, <laughs> and I won't stop till I'm dead. The nightmares that person will remember if they can just have the last memories being Henry squealing, flailing around there. They'll never. Kill They'll again. never kill again. Yep. This is. But he also talked about his move. The move he did to pull the 22. He said that he would because he had escalated over time. Is that he would practice it and he would keep the gun next to underneath his leg and he said he would sit in the car by himself and pretend and basically practice pulling it and pulling it it's kind of pulling fun. it you got yeah. to it's like when you're a kid in the playground and you count down three two one you take the shot and you make it but he was doing that with a gun mm-hmm. sitting yes. in his car and everyone's just like why isn't this car moving he's like i'm practicing my gun work he oh called that's it normal is, yeah i'm just right. doing my buzzer beater <laughs> okay <laughs> so he takes lucessa out of the car after he handcuffs pesky and he locks her in the trunk he comes back to pesky and and he does this as as a, a part of he believes it's showing sympathy. Yes, because he says he's like, well, I don't want her to see what I'm about to do to her mm, friend. It's the same nice. thing that he did with it, that he ju- used to justify killing his grandfather's. That he said that he didn't want his grandfather to see his uh, wife's bullet ridden corpse slumped over her children's. Little book. did he know his grandfather wanted to see that every single day he was alive. <laughs> if he opened up his <laughs> journal know? even once, he would have seen uh, he had sketched it a number <laughs> of times. times. <laughs> yeah, so he comes back to Pesky, who's still handcuffed in the back. He throws a plastic bag over her head because uh, he said, I had this nifty idea about suffocating. Oh, that is That is pretty nifty. I'd say it's pretty keen. Mm, yeah. yeah, definitely. So next he wrapped a bathrobe belt around her neck. Uh, he pulled on the belt. The belt snapped and Pesky bit through the bag. Uh, and I've got an interview clip. And this is what he said uh, happens next. I pulled a knife out. I still had the gun in my pants. I stabbed her. She didn't fall dead. You're supposed to fall dead. You're supposed to go, oh, and fall dead. I've seen it in all the movies, right? Doesn't work that way. When you stab someone, they leak to death. They lose blood pressure, and you stab them more and more and more. You complicate it many times by where you're hitting, the pain you're causing, and the aggravation of the person involved, plus whether or not they leak a little faster. It wasn't working worth the damn. I stabbed her all over her back and... She even turned around. I stabbed her in the side and the stomach once. Why? As she turned around, I could have stabbed her through the heart. But her breasts were there. And that actually deflected me. I couldn't see stabbing a young woman in her breast. That's embarrassing. I didn't say that to them back then. I don't think. I may have. But that's humiliating to admit that. That I was that affected 
by her presence. I stabbed her in the belly. That had to hurt worse. I didn't do it to make it hurt. I was trying to shut her up. And she ended up getting her throat cut. And uh, I learned the term ear to ear, what that meant, because that's the way it went. Absolutely interesting what a fucking piece of shit nerd i think like it's a thing where it's just like he just totally thinks that 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 reverence like makes up for it he really does and he, yeah while he, he does and while he's even describing it he's so distant from it saying the term she ended up getting her throat cut is like she did it yeah yeah because that's what he was saying is that while that loving term that that loving thing when he's talking about her beauty and like wanting to stab her in the breast up, up until then he called her a straight up stone cold stuck up bitch yeah um, leak is a strange word yeah yeah like spurt or drip or leak, leak. is accurate yeah yeah is we're all a- just bags of meat man yeah oh yeah I'm well aware I'm, I'm full of soft meat so he just had this gun with him the whole time, and uh, why didn't he just use that? Because he forgot he had it. Yeah. Basically, you're going to find out later, he forgot it. He had it stuck in his pants, and he forgot to use it at well, all. Well, when you're big, you can lose things on yourself. I've seen you do <laughs> yeah. it. I've seen yeah. you how many times you're like, hey, Henry, do I got shoes on? And I'm just like, man, <laughs> how'd you get on the subway? Yeah, exactly. Um, so with Pessy bleeding out in the backseat, he basically goes over to to kill the other, like mm-hmm. to kill Mary. Uh, yeah, when he he opens up the trunk, uh, and Anita asks, "What happened to my friend?" Ed lied. He said, "I broke her nose because she wouldn't do what I wanted. Mm-hmm. So you need to come and help her." So Anita gets up, and Ed Ed reaches into the trunk, and he brings out a knife called the original Buffalo Skinner. Yeah, uh, okay. which he also called the General. Which is such a nerdy thing. Fucking piece of so shit. Gotta nerdy. go get the general. Yeah, and he yeah. stabbed her in the throat, eyes, heart, and forearm. And he also said that he was surprised how many stab wounds it took before she lost consciousness. He said right. she was wearing really thick overalls, and the knife wouldn't properly, like, literally bounced the first time he did it. And he said he, the first time he hit her, he hit her so hard it threw her up onto the ro- almost onto the roof of the car. Yeah. Right. And did he stab her boobs or he didn't stab her boobs either? I no don't boob think he, stabs. No huh? boob stabs. No yeah, boob yeah. stabs. He's got a lot of reverence for the boobs, if yeah. you haven't noticed by now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which just sounds like a dude with a fucking Xbox headset and going like, <laughs> boobies are just, yeah. just so pink. <laughs> and he said about the knife, it was very expensive, about 8 or $9. That is expensive. Wow, an 8 or $9 <laughs> knife, you say? In 1972 money, that had to have been $19, 20 I think it was this cup of coffee was three wow. and i can't even kill a co-ed with this cup of coffee did you know for just triple the price you could get a knife that could skin a woman what yes <laughs> so he drove back home towards alameda and like a lot of other guys he got stopped by a police officer he was stopped for a broken taillight Classic. but of course he knew exactly how to talk to cops uh and kemper said during the entire interview he was excited and he had the officer he said that had the officer decided to just do a routine check and look into the trunk where the two bodies were, Kimper would have shot the cop in the back of the head. Would have just yeah. killed him on gotcha. the spot. Because that's, that's what he was... A big detail, too, about that first crime is that when he basically... When he stabbed her and he put the bodies in the trunk and he closed the trunk for the first time, he panicked because he couldn't find his keys. Yeah. And he was saying that he was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, I, I've lost my keys in the, in the back of the car. Like, I'm fucked, I'm fucked. And he ran. He was like, I'm going to run. And that's how he realized he had forgotten about the gun, is that the gun had fallen down inside of his pants and he tried... <laughs> Tripped over the gun mm-hmm. like a fucking huge bumble butt. <laughs> and he tripped over the he gun. He's a bumble butt. Uh, and then had to go back and he was just like, all right, Ed, 
check every one of your pockets. It's like, all right, okay, no, this is right, this is a chicken wing. Um, <laughs> this is a car with oh, that. this is a big fun ooh paper cowboy hat. Where I get that? Oh, I must have got that over at Suds. Um, what's yeah. up? Here's my <laughs> here it is. He was gonna shoot himself in the leg with a gun, like Plaxico Burris. It sounds like it was just in his pants. He's got to stop wearing stretch pants uh, or sweatpants to the murder. Stop being so casual. Indeed. <laughs> so he gets home. Carries the corpses into his apartment, which, by the way, he is sharing with a friend of his so at what this is your, point. what does your roommate do exactly? Uh, you know, it seems like um, he does a lot of, uh, it seems to be amateur surgery. But uh, <laughs> yeah. otherwise, he's a fun guy, cool, cool guy, guy, you know, hangs out with cops, cool guy. Yeah. You know, he go, takes him inside, he dissects the bodies. By the way, his roommate was out of... The apartment that night. Yeah, good, yeah, good, yeah. good. Cool, 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 yeah, yeah, cool, yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He had curling practice. <laughs> yep. Eddie, I'm going to curling practice. I won't be back for five hours, so if you do happen to kill two co-eds, you want to skin them in the living room. Tonight's the night to do it. Okay, bye. <laughs> cool. I didn't even think about doing that. <laughs> <laughs> the roommate's to blame for all of this. Yep. He dissected the bodies, snapped, the pul- snapped some Polaroids, cut the uh. heads off, and then had sex with the various parts of, of what remained. And talk oh. about a guy who really jumped right deep into the cycle of oh, the killer. My yeah. God. Uh, and this is the other thing, too, is that, mm-hmm. like, I, I think, to be honest, if I were just member a woman, I wouldn't, I would remove the head last because what I admire most about a woman is her personality. Well, but it's all in the but head. She, but she's dead. No, but she's. Yeah, but there's, there's some nothing. kind of block in my mind of like, like, how could she be talking to me and joking around with me if her head's not attached to her body? Well, Ed Kemper about that uh, actual about that exact point, he said, with a girl, there's a lot left in the girl's body without the head. Of course, the personality is gone. Yeah, that's one of the things Choice. about murdering a woman. You lose all of her charms. It's all the conversation you miss. Right. Um, when, when the, about the heads, he said, I remember there was a, actually a, a sexual thrill. You hear that little pop and pull their heads off and hold their heads up in the air, whipping their heads off, bodies just sitting there. Mm-hmm. That get me off. Yeah, that's it. That you know when you, you know when you're just about to come there and the head pops right off, Jaddy. You know I that, just shoot anyway. I just keep. <laughs> yeah, I shoot yeah, even worse. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? And I got to yeah. tell you, and I'm I'm a Marilyn Monroe guy. I like yeah, a girl with a normal figure. <laughs> Lover. So he keeps the heads for a little while. On one occasion, he said that he was just sitting there staring at one of the heads that he had rested on the chair across from him. The head became unsettled somehow. It rolled off the chair. And a human head, by the way, weighs about as much as a bowling ball. Uh, okay. Seven, hits, eight pounds? Yeah, yeah, seven, eight pounds. Hits the ground with a huge thud. And Ed said, The neighbor downstairs hates my guts. I'm always making noise late at night. He gets a broom and wax on the ceiling. Buddy, I say, I'm sorry for that. Drop my head. Sorry. <laughs> that helped bring that helped bring me out of the depression. And that's the bravest, luckiest neighbor of all time. <laughs> you see, I feel like even in New York specifically, even if the neighbors knew you were dismembering a body, yeah. they would still be like, keep it down! Oh, yeah, I'd still bring the broom out. <laughs> I gotta, oh, I gotta no. drive a train at 6 o'clock in the morning. You gotta tell me, hey, listen, hey. Hey, listen, hey, you're gonna be decapitating bitches up in your apartment when I gotta ask you to do. I don't mean to step on your business, buddy. All right, what I'm gonna ask you to do, put down a couple of blankets. <laughs> I might just turn up the Netflix. I might let the whole 
thing go? I don't know. So after he's done with the bodies, he puts the remains into plastic bags and buries them in the Santa Cruz Hills, torso and limbs in one location, hands in a second, mm-hmm. and he disguised the burial grounds with techniques he learned from the Boy Scouts, the same place he learned how to use the Buffalo Skinner so General. the Boy Scouts teach you how to be a Nazi, and they also teach you how to kill women. It's yeah, a bad it, organization. Right? It's a bad organization, yeah. and it's because they won't let gay kids in there. Uh, I've heard that. If there was gay kids in there, there'd be a fashion design badge, and they'd be wearing nice clothes. Well, it's a little yeah. cle- uh, stereotypical there. But. Well, there'd also be a fucking sous chef badge where they would learn how to make fancy sauces. Oh, okay. Well, now yeah. I might join now, yeah. So the heads he kept for a few more days, uh, orally copulating with them before well, that just... that is a very nice way of saying face fucking. You know yes. what? I tried yeah. to be as sensitive as I possibly could right. with that one. You know, because cause that's what he would even say. He would call it humiliating the corpse. Yeah. He specifically viewed that as a humiliation technique. Yeah. And also, it's just... A, you just get sick of masturbating. I know I'm single. I've lived in a hotel for a long time. Sure. You know, I mean, I'm not really at the point where I'm going to sever a human head and use it as a fleshlight, but that's mostly just because I like freedom and I don't want to... Yeah. It's, it's so just, much effort. It's just weird when your to-do list is like, get the hitchhikers, kill them, put them in a baggie, uh, disrespect the corpse, check. Uh, that's just a bizarre day. Yeah. Get milk and eggs. Don't forget the eggs. <laughs> so. The only acceptable reason to interrupt a podcast? Your dog. That was your dog saying thank you for BarkBox. You can take a minute now. You pet your dog. You're going to learn about Bark. It's the company dedicated to making dogs happy. Yay. Every month, BarkBox designs and delivers a whole new collection of toys and treats just for your best bud. No, Wendy, I can't get you a whip. You're too cute for weapons. Every treat is made with yummy, healthy, all-natural ingredients like pumpkin and sweet potato. Mmm, tubers. My dogs love their toys selectively. But BarkBox sends good little ones for the little tiny mouths. They have little mouths, but strong, big spirits. So they fight over the little toys. I imagine they think that they are hunting and going after little bugs and rats and oh they love their life and they love that they love what bark box brings because bark box brings the bark and puts it in a box yep to get your free upgrade go to barkbox.com slash l-e-f-t my sister is the best gift giver i've ever met of any person it's jackie zabrowski she shops all year thinking about her family and friends and puts little things aside for their birthdays and Christmases. I have no idea how she does it. I don't know how she do it, but guess what? She always wins Mother's Day, but not this year. I'm coming back. Ready to win Mother's Day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family? I'm taking the crown. All right, give the moms in your life an Aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. I mean this. We have the Aura frame up in my home. We absolutely love it. I can put photos on it very, very easily through the app. It's fun to do. And the memories keep cycling and I get emotional and we filled it with pictures of Carmi and Wendy. And that is not sad. That is celebratory. So you should try it. It's honestly a really good product right now. Aura has a great deal for mother's day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best selling frame. That's a U R a frames.com. Use code left at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Every day, I fight. 
to set my child up for success. Which is why, as I sit and read Carmi and Wendy Dune, trying to explain to them the concepts of the savior complex not working, doubling back on itself, the concept of what does it mean to be a living God? What are those limitations? What are those expectations? And honestly, I know they just want chicken. But there are kids out there that need this type of direct help. And IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language, arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them understand and master topics in a fun way. Not unlike me, reading children, Dune Messiah, getting to about 365, seeing where they're at, see if they understand anything. There's no more grading these worksheets. IXL grades everything itself. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. You can't even believe it! You don't want to make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And last podcast in the left listeners could get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash left. Visit IXL.com slash left to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. After he orally copulated with the heads, he just chucked them into a ravine. Yeah, yeah. yeah the girls were reported missing, <laughs> but because, as Henry said earlier, hitchhiking was such a, uh, you know, people were just very transient then. Right, right. Uh, hitchhiking was a big thing. People would disappear for weeks at a time. So when these girls were reported missing, police didn't really do anything. And they didn't yeah. find Pesky's head until nine days later. Uh, Anita, they haven't found her remains at all to yeah. this day. Yeah, that's for the best, you know. God, Probably. good lord. Yeah, wanna... You know what also is, you know, mm-hmm. a fleshlight can go in the dishwasher. Yeah, well. Nah, you don't need to put it in the dishwasher. You know? No, you just You do. <laughs> We're not talking about your fleshlight, Marcus. It is so disgusting and disturbing. <laughs> Had it for about five years now. Still going strong. Wow, right? wow. You see, it hasn't lost any of its its tautness? Absolutely not. They're it, very well made. Wow. It is disgusting. Uh, so now we basically see this is... Kemper's style has been completely set. It is yeah. just like right out of the gate, which is really interesting because normally killers build yeah. to this, but it feels like his um, his rehearsal and his fantasy life was so deep and intense it's like he knew exactly what he wanted. It's like yeah. Russell Wilson. He won the Super Bowl when he was a rookie. He was, he thought about it. He thought about it. He got there and he did it. I thought I th- you know what it is a lot like that. It is. Yeah. And he said he characterized it as making dolls out of people cuz they couldn't yeah. they couldn't reject them. You know, so that was as as after he cut off the heads, there was no rejection whatsoever. Yeah, I, I mean, you, you got to sell them if you're going to make them. And although he later recanted uh, and said that this statement was only meant for his insanity defense, on at least two occasions he cannibalized his victims, slicing flesh from their legs and cooking it in a macaroni casserole. Oh, isn't that kind of a nice place to put human flesh? The Midwest, such a no. Yeah, it's really strange that it's a California casserole because they're yeah. not really known for their casserole. No, no, that's why everyone loves having Ed over for potlucks because he brought that Wisconsin flair even though he was from California. How do you know? Well, he know? grew up in Montana. Oh, there oh. we go. Yeah. That's very nice. casserole country. <laughs> Montana is casserole. Oh, I love casseroles. Uh, mm. But I will say this is that we, we, we see a lot with killers too who dabble in cannibalism because I don't view him as a cannibalistic no. killer. I just think when your well, perversions he, are so intense yeah. and you're dealing with a lot of shit, you kind of look at something and be like, yeah, I don't know. 
I'm gonna eat a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> you know, just, yeah. Try a little. But he did eat it. Yeah, he so did he's eat a cannibal. It. Yeah, I mean yeah. technically he's a cannibal. Right. I mean that's all that we can run on here. But I wouldn't call him a cannibal. It's I'm, like, I'm gonna would call you him a cannibal, would you call though. Michael Jordan a baseball player? Technically, he was. Technically, but you don't think of him like that. Look at percentage of career. <laughs> right. All right. If the majority of his career was spent looking for people to eat. I'm, he's not going into the Hall of Fame for baseball, but he's going <laughs> in for basketball. But I'm just saying he did play baseball. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I get it. I, I mean, I think we're in agree, agreement here. Okay. I'm just going right. to say it. You it's on his it. resume, <laughs> but it's not the top of the right, resume. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. You kill and cook someone, put yeah. them into a casserole, you're a cannibal. Yeah, it's like. under skills. It's like how you would you would probably list Microsoft Word under your skills, or right? Par- parasailing. Yeah. I lie. I usually lie on that part. Canadabler. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So all of his victims were chosen randomly on the spot. This wasn't a pl- planned thing where he would plan out victims. And almost all of his murders from here on out would occur after fights with his mother. He'd have a knockdown, drag-out fight with his mother. Mm. He'd get extremely angry, and he'd say, like, all right, I'm going out. Tonight's the night that I'm going to fucking do it. He said his rage is what really drove him. And he said he would go on these rages where he was just like, you know, anybody who got in my car was going to die that night. Yeah, he said when someone put their hand on my car door handle, they were giving me their life. Hmm. Because after he killed these first two girls, he went back to just picking them up. And taking them safely to their destination. Because that's also a distancing thing, too. Because originally he said the behavior was just for him to learn how to talk to girls. So he went back to it and be like, well, I can actually do this again. Now that I got, you know, I'll have a bit cooling off period. I can talk to women again and just kind of work it up. And he said that what he would do is they would get in the car and the first thing they'd all talk about is the guy who killed those hitchhikers. Mm-hmm. And then he would, he would be like, what do you think a guy like that would be like? And they would be like, oh, you know, and they would describe somebody and then he'd mm-hmm. start to learn how to even even deeply mold his persona. Yeah. So then that's why he started wearing the blonde wigs and wearing <laughs> the fake mustaches or Yeah, and uh, saying like Dolly Parton. Mm, Lover. <laughs> that had to be a very fun conversation for him to have with those people about the killer. The same reason he talked uh, yeah. to the cops about oh, it. But he you said, get your God complex out because they know less than you do. He he was wearing the Google glasses <laughs> talking with somebody who had no information at all. But he definitely said that if they brought up the killer at all, they were definitely safe because he was too embarrassed to then kill them. Uh, Good note. So if you get into a car, just so what, what about that killer, huh? <laughs> up everybody. Just no matter where you go, no matter what you do, you never know when you're with the presence. Yeah, of I mean, that's just kind of my practice anyway. Start talking to a stranger, just immediately start jabbering about killers. killers. Yeah, 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 that's yeah. what I always Perfect. do. Yeah, that's what I, I always mean, do. I, I mean, it's a compulsion rather, and I don't really, mm-hmm. and I'm uncomfortable, and I don't know right. what else to talk about. I'm because that's all I think about it's is all killers I think about, yeah. and how reality's right. a thin fucking veil, and we live in a hologram of a yeah. deeper, mm-hmm. deeper math, and it's harder to talk about that with right. someone you just <laughs> met. Let's just go around the table real quick. Successful dates in the last month. Successful dates in the last month. I got none. Last night, okay. I had a, I had about three glasses of scotch, and I watched The Wire for two hours. Not a date. Oh, that's not? No. Nah. No, another person. Okay. It's a date with Henry. <laughs> <laughs> I got lucky. I got real lucky. Okay, no, no, no. So he kept that whole shroud of picking up girls and uh, just taking them to their destination for four months until September 14th, 1972. Me and Henry were talking about this before, and this is probably the saddest victim. This really makes all me of very these, sad. All I mean, of these all victims very are very sad. Like they're, they're all extremely sad because these are among the saddest victims because these are, you know, I mean, not to say that, you know, other victims are worth less or anything because we always talk about the less dead and all this, uh, but these are, you know, just 
truly innocent victims. Yeah, like, I mean, at least if Gacy killed you, you got to hang out with an up-and-coming Democratic politician or yeah, future you were, congressman. <laughs> you were drinking and doing drugs. Right. It's kind of like the Jason, uh, you know, the Fr- Friday the 13th Nightmare on Elm Street type thing of being like, well, maybe you should have been naughty and you wouldn't have been buried in the crawl space. Right. <laughs> Not to victim blame. Ted Bundy's no. adorable kind of a dreamboat guy. Jeffrey Dahmer definitely got you wasted yeah. before he started Trying to drill in your head, um, but like, I go Ku, just a monster. I go Ku is a very sweet girl that I guess that that was his next victim. Yeah. That he picked up. It was a fifteen years old ballet dancer. Yeah, she was hitchhiking. She was going to San Francisco for a ballet class. She missed her bus. Really wanted to make that class, so she made a sign that said San Francisco. Uh, so he t- picks her up, and he doesn't even wait until he gets to a secluded spot. This must have been a horrible fight with his mother because he pulls out the gun while they're still on the road. It was mm. probably about how uh, he farted on the no fart couch. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know. Yeah, he pulls out the gun, and he told her that he was planning on killing himself, and he wanted someone to watch it, but he told her that if she screamed or signaled to any anyone at all that something was wrong he would kill her as well uh and this is extreme very interesting th- uh a very interesting thing at one point he gets out of the car and accidentally locks himself out <laughs> with the gun inside the car oh that is goofy yeah he said she could have reached over and grabbed the gun at all but he said she probably never gave it a thought she was so terrified because she was a tiny little 15 year old girl absolutely and, and he's, he's a yeah. giant monster a 6 foot 9 mo- 300 pound monster who is now locked out of the car get the gun yeah no she lets him back in no, 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 no. Ah. You know, yeah. she's no like Sigourney it. Weaver. Well, you just got to get the gun, <laughs> use the gun. So he drives her out to the mountains, only minutes from the house of one of the case investigators. That's one of those things about Los Angeles and California in specific. It's like basically it's got tiny little houses surrounded by these mountains. You basically go up into those mountains and you disappear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you really do. So he tries to suffocate her first by placing his fingers up her nostrils. But I mean, she was he, able to fight her. He was a, she was able to fight him off. Right. But eventually, he strangled her with her own scarf. And after she was dead, he laid her on the ground, raped her, and said he achieved orgasm within seconds. Right. So it was sort of three stooges ish, you know, getting locked out of the car, and then with the fingers in the nose. But then it got real. Then it got. A little That's more the thing. Yeah. It goes straight from three stooges to that Spanish movie, Irreversible. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It really does. So after he kills her, he places the body in the trunk and drives her home, but not before stopping for a beer. He goes inside of the bar. He has a couple of beers. He walks back into the parking lot and opens the trunk, admiring... His, my catch like a fisherman. This term, admiring my catch like a fisherman, Ugh. is another thing of just like what a deeply, deeply distanced man he is from himself. Yeah, disconnected from everything, disconnected from the world at large. So he takes the corpse back to his apartment, cuts off the head and hands, and has sex with the corpse. Uh, he The next morning, he buries the body in one location, the hands at another, and with her head in a bag drives to his court mandated psychiatrist appointment so Ooh. how are things going ed um you know oh, things are pretty good i think i'm getting ahead <laughs> in my career <laughs> and well i mean i can tell you exactly what the psychiatrist thought of them that day uh the report said from the first like he saw two psychiatrists that day the report said 
If I were seeing this appointment without having any history available or without getting the history from him, I would think that we're dealing with a very well-adjusted young man who had initiative, intelligence, and who is free of any psychiatric illness. Bullshit! It is my opinion that he has made a very excellent response to the years of treatment and rehabilitation, and I would see no psychiatric reason to consider him to be any danger to himself or to any member of society. It's almost like your medical field is flawed and you shouldn't technically be called a doctor. And the second appointment actually used the words normal and safe. Both recommended the sealing of his juvenile records juvenile records as a way to help him become a better citizen. Thus, eight years after he had killed his grandparents, Kemper gained his complete and total freedom. Yes. If you are a psychiatrist, just at the end of every single paper, just dot, 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 also might be a killer. Might be a I killer, I'm not really sure. Maybe, 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 maybe not. And let's play um, what actually was going on on the interior of Edmund Kemper's mind during these psychiatrist sessions. To be walking up the stairs with a camera bag that belonged to a young woman that had her severed head in it. Walking up to my apartment past a happy young couple coming down the stairs who nodded and smiled at me as they went by. Good evening. And they're going out on a date where I'd love to be going. And I'm aware of both of these realities and the, dis- the distance between those two is so dramatic, so amazing, so violent that that really, I could feel the wheels squeaking inside. That was really pulling on it. And I imagine at that point some people break. But I didn't literally go insane. I didn't get lost. And all this time... Yeah, he was doing totally good. Totally. <laughs> I did not go crazy, though. I mean, he could have just had a date with one of these women at the same time. You just don't kill him, and then you might maybe get to ask him out after. I mean, the thing is, is that if you don't have much past, like, hitchhiker patter... Right. You're not going to do well on dates. Yeah, you know what I mean? Because yeah, yeah, the yeah. conversation yeah. between pickup and hitchhiker are not like, we're not talking about like f- great shit. I mean, I don't know. I've never hitchhiked. Maybe you it's do get difficult. into nice, like cool, interesting conversations with people. I think it must it's be very awkward. Little, yeah, it must be a little yeah. bit awkward up top, but then you got you to gotta find a way. I'm sure that he had a sentence that he said uh, to all of these people in the very beginning. You got pretty hair. I wonder what it's like laying on the ground, you know, separate from the rest of your body. Well, let's just, uh, it's going to rain here soon. Um, I, what I would also say uh, about him is that also that statement to me shows how deeply nuts he was. Oh, and, I mean, in terms of sociopath. Because mm-hmm. I feel like there's more of a deviousness to it when he talks about how, like, he could have been, he could have went insane, but he was too strong to go insane. That What he did, you know, like, he was, he could face it. Oh, he sees himself as the hero in this story. Yeah. Right, like, he right. sees himself as a hero because he didn't kill anymore, because he turned himself in. I don't, actually don't know the reason why, but after he kills Eiko Ku, he moves back in with his mother. Hey, you know, uh, <laughs> you know when they yep. say like certain songs would like come out of one specific guitar, yeah. even if it's an old shitty guitar. Oh yeah, you know, like, like, like Trigger, like Willie Nelson's guitar. Yeah. It's a great guitar, but yeah, it's the guitar that all of his best songs. All are his best on. songs are written on. Yeah. You gotta yeah. get back to the source. Mostly, <laughs> Trigger is a bit of a. It's a touchy word for Willie to be yelling across a bar. Yeah. No, give me my trigger. Excuse me? What was that, Willie? What? No, it's the guitar. Yeah. It's the one it's with a- the rope around its neck. Well, I mean okay. strap. Okay. Okay. Well, how's about Lucille? With I like Lucille. BB That's King. a name right. that can't be, uh, you know, yeah, become yeah, yeah, a racial yeah. slur immediately. Uh, well, trigger is more, it's more the name of a horse, but we'll, yeah. okay, that's a right. different story. 
So Kemper didn't kill again until he bought a twenty-two caliber pistol in January. And he said, I went bananas after I got that twenty-two. <laughs> <laughs> bananas? Bananas! Wow. Positively conquers. <laughs> That's amazing. You... <laughs> I love it. He just treats it like a game of Candy Crush. It is. <laughs> that's insane. So the same day he bought the gun on January 8th, 1973, he picked up Cynthia Shaw, who made a habit of hitching rides to Cabrillo College. He brings out the gun again he, while he's driving. He drives her to a town called Freedom. Ironic. Uh, oh, very ironic. Yikes. And stopped on a quiet road. He shoots her, dumps her body in the trunk, and took her home. She was a big girl, so Ed struggled to get her upstairs. His mother came home right as Ed was stuffing her into the closet, and he just talked to his mom normally. Uh, Ed, what are you doing? You want to get chicken, Ed? Ed, you want to go get some chicken? What are you doing in there, Ed? You jerking off? Yeah. You pervert! You disgusting pervert, Ed! <laughs> now I just can't think of, can't stop thinking of throw mama from yeah. the train. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The mother from the Goonies, uh, the greatest bad mother of all time. Mom, I'm hanging out with a friend. Mom, I'm having a good time with my friend. Oh, my goodness. He returned to the room, and he carefully removed the bullet from her skull. Uh, And he does this again and again. When he uh, shoots the person in the head, he always removes the bullet from the skull first. All business. Because he's also a, uh, he's a student. Yeah. And he understands he's been hanging out with comps all the time, and he fancies himself a fucking little genius. Right, right. That he's like, I'll, I know how to get rid of all of the evidence. Yeah. But on the other hand, he does. Yes. If he wouldn't have turned himself in, I don't think they would have caught him until he would have gone into a berserker. Well, we'll talk about it when we get there, but he definitely, no one, they did not know. They had no clue who the killer was. Yeah, no idea. So the next day, he brought the corpse back out, had sex with it before dissecting the body in the shower with an axe. Uh oh. <laughs> Yeah! <laughs> yeah! Boy, so, so how big of a gal are we talking here? Uh, I mean, I don't have the exact dimensions. But she was just larger. I mean, she was enough, just larger than the others. Yeah, okay. because he usually went for petite women. Right, right, uh, right That right, was right. his, that, that was kind of his type. Uh, but for some reason, Cynthia Shaw just, you know, she had a twinkle in her eye, I guess. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so after he drained the body of all of her blood, he carved it into pieces, bagged up all the pieces, and threw them off the cliff. He had sex with the head for several days before mm. burying it in the yard. Now, this is a very interesting uh, detail. Yeah, it's he very, bu- very interesting. He buried the head right outside of his window in the Ooh. ground and it facing towards the house. And he said... That he would have is a sort of boyfriend girlfriend like relationship with the image of her head, where he would sit in bed and talk to her at night, and they would have like a thing back and forth. And there was also, but then there's another theory that he said that he buried it in the head to mock his mother. Yeah, because he said that his mother always wanted people to look up to her. That's funny stuff. It's fun little puns like (laughs) that that make him the charmer we know him to be. Mm -hmm. I love it. It's sort of like a Jack and the Beanstalk, but instead of beans, it's a human head, and instead of a giant, he's finding love, Mm -hmm. which is kind of nice. Well, both of those stories come from him. 
Because as we said at the beginning yeah. of the first episode, his story changes depending on who he's talking to. Yes, and what and, kind of effect he wants to get. Yeah, what kind of effect he wants. And I think he's also good at reading people. So he Obviously, can tell. Yeah. I think he knows what the person wants to hear. He has a narrative. He has a story that he tells each time. It's the same story, just with different details. He straight up has, like, Tonight Show bits. Yeah. And they talk about it because there's another quote that we have later on. But Are we going to play where basically a guy interrupts him in the middle of his story and he's mm. like wait 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 wait, you're gonna ruin the bit there yeah and it's like this thing, he literally <laughs> yeah. says it because it's yeah. it's rehearsed patter yeah it really is he has a rhythm he knows exactly i mean he has no idea how to be a real person no he he's doesn't. a total robot that is like the, he's a sociopath every single thing he does is highly rehearsed and highly put together because he has no real personality it is just a it's just a combo of factors that he has like put together he really was it's like this this is a truly dangerous man yeah that needed to be put in, in well, we already all know square. that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's on his eighth eighth head now or something. So less than two days later, <laughs> dismembered arms and legs were found on a cliff overlooking the Pacific Ocean. Oh, then you gotta get him into the water, buddy. He didn't throw it far Come enough. Come on, get him into the water. Here's the funny thing: is that he he's, threw. He was able to make the torso into the water, sure. but the arms and legs didn't make it. I guess he was winded from the torso. I yeah, guess so. yeah. Yeah. Also, you know, sometimes big guys got that natural hook. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so they identified uh, Shawl through lung x-rays. Uh, eventually, the lower torso came in. A surfer also found her left hand, which offered fingerprints, but her right hand never washed up. Mm. The media, at this point, in a huge panic, because not only, if we remember correctly, Ed Kemper was not the only killer in Santa Cruz, California, at this time, there was also Herbert Mullen, who had racked up, th- who racked up thirteen in a big spree. Murder capital of the world. Yeah, murder capital of the world. One report, one reporter. Uh, her name was Marilyn Baker. Uh, she was a big tabloid lady. She consistently exaggerated rumors and offered uncorroborated information as fact. Uh, she gave daily reports of, of course. Blamed it on satanic rituals. Mm-hmm. Well, now everybody, it's a great scapegoat. Yeah. It's and it makes huge, great news. Yeah. And she's also, she's saying shit like she suggested that the killer was a lesbian or a transvestite. Ooh. She started putting in these weird details that all of them, all the murders occurred on Mondays after dark and during a full moon. That's just well, kind of fun. Because also what it does, it's a cool, it's a fun. It is fun. It's yeah. cool Super as shit. Fun. Yeah, yeah. But it's also a way to differentiate the crimes. It also makes you, again, it's the idea of putting order to it. Yeah. Instead of it just being some random man that they can't find, they can't find, they're basically saying it's a part of an established magic group. Now that everybody is is doing hippy dippy bullshit and wearing mm-hmm. lanyards all the time, well, they think that they can blame it all on that. They've got to go find that lesbian satanic group that is also transgendered, God, and then boom, you've got your killer. Just let me <laughs> I mean, in the room with it. them. That sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, I want to be in a lesbian satanic coven. No, no. Ooh, I'll be not. a fun. I'll be fun for it. Yeah, I'll be no. the chef. You're, yeah, maybe if you're the chef. But yeah, I think you're supposed to take it a little more seriously. Boy, Texas Pete is a sauce and allows you to sauce like you mean it. It's what people gather around, it's generosity in its simplest form, and it's a swagger people have who know what's good. Each Texas Pete hot sauce is packed with bold, balanced flavor. This signature tanginess is what makes it a legendary hot sauce that can be used on just about anything. It's been at the center of dinner table since 1929 and is still heating things up today. You're definitely going to want to try 
every flavor. The original hot sauce has a famous secret blend of fermented peppers. The hotter hot sauce is three times hotter than the original, and not for the faint of heart. Sabor by Texas Pete adds authentic Mexican flavor, and their dust-dry seasoning matches the flavor of the original hot sauce in a flavorful dry rub. Tell you what, the other day I was having myself a good old refried bean burrito, and I wanted a little bit of kick to my morning, so I got myself some cha Texas Pete sriracha sauce, and I smothered those refried beans and that cheese and them eggs in a whole bunch of cha. And it started off my day correct. Texas Pete, sauce like you mean it. Visit TexasPete.com and use the store locator to find Texas Pete products as well as purchase sauces and get recipe inspiration. And use the promo code PODCAST24 for 20% off at TexasPete.com. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough. But Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with horse pics. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse pics over various country borders, I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Hi. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. That's one of my favorite things about it. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. Now, personally, I'm in the middle of re-landscaping my yard. I like to do it myself because I called up a landscaper to see how much it costs and it was absolutely insane. Plus, I love dirt. I love getting my hands in the dirt and I love planting things myself. And Fast Growing Trees has given me some wonderful plants that I can use. Like I got this uh, Texas sage, it's purple. I've dug up a whole bunch of horrible bushes and shrubs up in front of my window and in front of my house and put some purple Texas sage up there and it's going to thrive and it's going to look real good. And I don't even have to go to a nursery to buy it. It came to my house. 
And this spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEFT at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code LEFT at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code LEFT. Offers valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. So, so many gir- girls going missing. Of course, there were complete, there were constant warnings for them to not get in the cars with strangers. Mm-hmm. But Ed had a secret weapon because the university had decided to institute a bus system that would assist off-campus students getting safely to campus. And Ed, it was a sticker. Ed his, had a sticker that his mother had given him, a university-issued sticker, so he could easily get into campus and pick her up from work. Yeah, because that's what they said. Is like, that they were like, nobody get into a car that doesn't have a sticker. Yeah. And so he had a big sticker. It had a letter A on it, which meant he had all access to the entire campus. Yeah. And he said, I mean, even it's though- amazing that all it takes is a twenty-five cent, probably a ten-cent sticker at this time, yeah, to make everyone just give you full one hundred percent trust, yeah. And uh, his next victims, he used that sticker to his advantage. Uh, February fifth, nineteen seventy-three, <laughs> had a violent fight with his mother. Ed called it a real tiff. Uh, uh-huh. And drove to campus. Actually, drove on campus where his mother worked. If we're gonna have a fart couch and a no fart couch, <laughs> mm-hmm. they need to not be next to each other. That's true. Because when you got a fart, yeah, you just want to do it right there on the couch. He picks up Rosalind Thorpe, who was just coming out of a lecture, and then picked up twenty year twenty one year old Alice Lou. He shot both of them in the head while they were still on university grounds. Hmm. And in one account, Kemper said that two young men were at a security <laughs> gate. But when they saw Kemper's university sticker, they just waved him right on through. And in another account, Kemper said that the guard, he told the guards that the girls were just drunk and he was just trying to get them home. Of course. Of course. 3 p.m. on whatever day it was. Yeah, two women literally lumped over (laughs) in the front and back seat of your car. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing suspicious. I would say both of those women are dead, but you are. You do make a good point. You do have that sticker. sticker. You have the sticker. I got to let you go through. Yeah, he said, Kemper said it was getting easier to do and I was getting better at it. He took the bodies home, but as his mother was home, he had to wait until he can take them inside. But what he couldn't wait on was dismembering the bodies. He took his hunting knife, the general, and hacked off both of their heads while they were still in the trunk of his car in full view of neighbors. If someone would have walked by, they would have seen this fucking monster hacking the heads off of two young coeds. Legitimately car parked outside of his mother's house on the street. It's not even covered. It's nothing. He was getting... He he really... Again, this shows his ego. Yeah. He really is at this point thinks that he can get away with anything. Yeah. Uh, So he placed both of the bodies back in the trunk. He cut off Alice's hands, then dumped the bodies and heads in two separate places where they were found nine days later. These two girls would be Ed's last co-ed victims. Yep. I mean, the one thing that you have to remember, like when smoking weed in public, just do it. Pretend like you're like Johnny Depp to use him as a reference again in the movie Blow. The yeah. most important thing to do when carrying whatever pounds of cocaine through an airport is to pretend like you're not doing it. If you're cutting off a person's head, just pretend like you're changing a tire. Oh, like Johnny Depp and Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, where you just kind of forget that you're in a movie. <laughs> <laughs> he yes. stops acting. Yeah. Oh, I love yeah, the real yeah. Chocolate Factory. Yeah, yeah. and your natural pedophilic <laughs> impulses just kind of come 
come out. Come out. Just, just kind of on screen. I love um, that. So yeah. yes, these were his last two victims. Mm-hmm. So now we're looking well, at last two co-ed victims. Co-ed victims. Right. We're looking at a man who's like built all the way up to this sort of fever pitch in his own head, and he was saying he was really trying very hard to quell it mm-hmm. for a while. Did he really try though? More yeah. than not, I feel like yeah, actually, more I than not doing it all together. You know right, what I mean? Right. Yeah, he did make a conscious effort to not do it, and the fact that he turned himself in does tell you that he was actually trying to do it. Uh, but right. pretty soon after he killed these two girls, uh, a police officer he was checking through gun licenses, and the way they found this too is very interesting. Yeah, is that this, so his his record was expunged for killing his grandparents, and so they were going through and they were going through driver's licenses because they basically with the there's like a random sweep. Where they go through a bunch of gun like gun license things like forms and shit and make sure everything's up to date and everything's up to par and they were going through and they're like oh Eddie Kemper oh yeah that big fucking the bubble butters it was hanging out and being annoying <laughs> I, I remember like, him yeah. I was like yeah it's just here it's like what is this thing and they noticed that back in the day instead of issuing a new card they literally would just cross out your record on, yeah, on the be, card they'd black it out kind of like uh, you know redacted on uh, right. classified but it was like forms. with the marker yeah. And so he's like, what does it say underneath this thing? And he looks at it, and basically he sees through the marker that he was put into an insane asylum for killing his grandparents. And he's just like, you guys know that Eddie Kemper murdered somebody? (laughs) And they're like, no, no. And he's like, yeah, he killed his fucking grandparents. And they're like, what gun does he have? And he's like, he's got a massive forty-five. Yeah. And so they're like, we got to go get him. We got to go get this gun. And they all knew him. And so they're like, well, this guy's six foot nine and 300 pounds. Who wants to go get the gun from him? Right, and you know if he throws you over the top rope, you're out. You're out. <laughs> so you can't come back into the investigation. Yeah. So. They, yeah, so they sent the rookie. They sent a guy. They literally drew straws, and right. the rookie lost. <laughs> and the rookie yeah. is literally this ti- nah. literally tiny guy. When, oh, he, when yeah. I saw an interview with him, and he's yeah. literally he's, he's, he's like, so I just, you know, I knew that... Uh, yeah, so it was up to me. Go, uh, go, roll up, uh, Eddie. So uh, <laughs> I, I roll on over to the car, and they were saying they have a hard time finding the address. Um, and they went over to the. Basically, he went around looking. It was like one of those things where it was like six oh nine A, six oh nine B. There was a bunch of different houses all in a cul-de-sac, and he c- couldn't see anybody. And he was looking around, and finally he said he saw a pair of feet hanging out of the car. And he walks up to him. And he's like, "Excuse, excuse me, sir. Is that you? Can you point me towards a six oh nine A?" And he was like. And then I watched Ed Kemper get out and get out and get out of the car. Because he was literally, it was like, it's just all of his body coming, pour out of this car and him standing all the way up. And he was like, can I get your gun back? This guy approaches Kemper like uh, Wayne, or like Garth did in Wayne's World when he confronted the bully with the. Uh, excuse me. Excuse me. I'd like to get by now. <laughs> but he said then he went into it. So, so then Eddie, uh, then in his mind, starts going paranoid. He's like, what gun do they want? Yeah. Because he's like, I got a 45 in my house, but I also have a shit ton of other fucking illegal mm. guns in my and house. I've also got that 22 that I've been killing all these girls with. Inside of my car. Yeah. And right. so finally, when he said the 45, he's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. God, that's got to be just such a strange thought process of, uh, you know, hoping they don't know the right gun. Yeah, it really is. So there was also a young blonde girl there with Ed. And if the cop hadn't come, he would have killed that girl. Yeah. So he just let the girl go. Uh, And two months after he killed those two girls, I'd say he was started to play what I could only describe as Russian roulette with other people's lives. He just started picking up girls just to test himself, just to see if he could pick girls up up and not 
kill them. Right. Uh, but here's like some ridiculous irony. There was two girls that he picked up. They, he, he looked exactly the same as yes. Marianne, as the first two yes, victims. the first two. Uh, he, they wanted him to take them the wrong way to their, desti- to their destination, which would have taken them straight to the site of the first two murders. But Ed knew yeah. the right way. He's like, no, 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 you don't go this way. We have to go this way. And that's the amazing irony is that he scared those two girls more than he scared any of his victims. Absolutely, because they were freaking out because yeah. he was just like, no, no, let me take you the right way. Let me take you the right way. Yeah. And he did it, and then he dropped them off. But it was this point. So that mounting pressure from inside his own brain to kill. Yeah. Meanwhile, with the cops buzzing him for that gun, yeah. has started firing up his, his paranoia. He thought that the cops... Were playing a cat and mouse game with them. Yeah, they were, they, just, they were just stupid. Yeah, they, right. it was just complete coincidence. Uh, so he spent after that he spends an entire week thinking about okay, it's time. I am going to go to the delta of my crimes, <laughs> and it's time to kill mommy. <laughs> <laughs> and he would go through it that Sunday, Easter weekend. Ooh. Yeah. So he I think w- it was a part of him I thought that maybe, well, maybe if I kill her, she'll come right back, huh? <laughs> yeah, you never know what, who's going to rise on Easter. So he walks into her room on Saturday night while she's reading. She slams her book shut, and she said, Oh, my God, now I suppose you want to stay up all night and talk. <laughs> I mean, she was a cold woman. She was a very cold way. woman. Because that was the thing, is that he was such a fucking huge, dorky fucking mama's boy that he would go and sit on the corner of her bed every night and, like, tell mm. him about her, his problems and his feelings, and she hated him for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was just a yeah. gigantic nuisance. Yeah. Right, right. And he said that oh. he said, he just goes, nope, and left the room and returned four hours later with a claw hammer. And what's also very interesting, in, the, in, oh the, uh, in one of his first interviews, he really he breaks into tears talking about this because he says he was psyching himself up all night. And you see, because every other, every other victim he talks about with sort of a smugness, mm-hmm. sort of like a thing above him. I but pulled we, one over on them. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Or they deserved it, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Or th- and then that thing we said, it's not that I did a horrible thing, but they d- would, it's a horrible thing happened to them. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And so he was, of course, very conflicted about killing his mother, but he knew right. he had to do it. He That's when that you stare is- into the window and you look at your own reflection and you're like a net banning in American Beauty and you're like, I will Power. sell this house today. <laughs> I will murder my mother today. I will uh, do it. Uh, so he bashes her head in as she slept. Uh, he rolls her over, slits her throat, and he said that he was shocked at how easy it was to kill her, that she died just as easily as all the rest of them. Oh, an elderly sleeping woman? That wasn't the most difficult well, kill you've to ever be honest, had? This part, I imagine he thought she was like fucking King Koopa when right, come back right, like right. black and white and yeah. start like, you know, like changing like flashing red. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah what, I wonder what he thought was going to happen when he did like stab it, like light was going to come from her or something. Like know, she was going to turn into a, a stronger demon force like in... Uh, <laughs> like, in like at the end of Ocarina of Time when you think you've yeah, beaten yeah, yeah. Ganondorf no, what? and then the Tower blows up, then you got to deal with super big Ganondorf. Ganondorf, more like Mommendorf. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, dead alive, I was thinking yeah. as well. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. 
So he then decided that, quote, what's good enough for my victims was good enough for my mother. Oh, very nice of yeah. you, Ed. It wasn't very nice. No, 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 no. He cuts off her head, has sex with her with her Ooh. corpse. He then, he does, goes a little bit further. He <laughs> removes her vocal cords and throws them in the garbage disposal. But they won't, they won't <sighs> grind up because yeah. they're too thick. Yeah, they keep popping back out of the right. garbage uh, disposal yeah. into his face. Yeah, and it's, it's like, it seemed appropriate as much as she bitched and screamed and yelled at me so much over the years. Even when she was dead, she was still bitching at me. Couldn't get her to shut up. Yep. Yeah, I wonder if when he when I wonder if uh, when he was having sex with his mother's head, you know, if he was just like, I want, I think this is a career defining moment. You know what? <laughs> I think this is how people are going to define my entire life. This is my saving private Ryan. This is great. <laughs> so he spends the next few hours yelling and screaming at his mother's head. He places the head up on the mantle, yells and screams at the head, and then just starts throwing darts at her face. He that was is upset. That, he yeah. was upset. <laughs> he was upset. I know. I blow off steam. I've yelled at the coffee maker. Yeah. I yeah, You know, like yeah. in the, these last couple of months, I've yelled at some stuff in my house that doesn't need to be yelled at. You know, I held my TV like I was a woman once. No, yeah. we don't talk about that. We don't talk about that. Yeah. This is being recorded, Henry. And so he felt um, sick. He goes out for a drive. He yeah. sees an acquaintance who owes him $10. And Jesus. they went out for a drive in his friend's car. And he's still got the urge to kill. Like, he is right. fucking keyed up. He said his buddy gave him the 10 bucks and it saved his friend's fucking life. <laughs> oh, that's nice. <laughs> God yeah. damn. So if you owe a buddy a debt, just pay, pay, up right it a, now. pay up right now. Go, yeah. Seriously, shut off this podcast. <laughs> Go to your buddy's house and pay him right now. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, it's like, uh, oh my, I just thought of Steve Buscemi's character. I don't yeah. know why I'm thinking of all the movies today. I don't know. You're a movie boy. I'm movie boy. In <laughs> <laughs> Billy Madison. Call up your friend or make sure that you're good with everybody in the world because you never know when one of your friends is a serial killer and you want to be safe on his list. <laughs> so he's still keyed up and he also realizes that there is one person in this world that's going to miss his mother, her best friend, oh. Sally Hallett. So he calls her up. He invites her over for a surprise dinner with his mother. <laughs> and when she arrives, the first thing she said was, let's sit down. I'm dead. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. No, I didn't know he that. Hits her in the br- with a brick, strangles her first with his hands, and then uses the same scarf that he had used to, ye- used to kill Aiko Koo. And he oh. did it with such force that he broke her neck. He later recalled, I had broken her neck, and her head was just wobbling around with the bones of her neck just disconnected in the skin sack of her neck. So. Skin oh, sack. Skin sacks of the neck. Oh, man. So he placed Sally's body in his bed and spent his night in his mother's room. The Did next he play morning, beer pong with her butthole or anything like that? He's already got the dark game going with his go, mother's head. Please, please, beer pong. He was playing it like a wine glass. Oh, I see. That is fun. <laughs> so the next morning, he leaves in Hallett's car, but not without leaving a note for the police on his mother's bloody mattress. It read, Approximately 5.15 a.m. Saturday. No need for her to suffer anymore at the hands of this horrible, murderous butcher. It was quick, asleep, the way I wanted it. Not sloppy and incomplete, gents. Just a lack of time. I got things to do. <laughs> He's very busy, yeah. yeah. 
I got things to do. And that was two exclamation points Woo! after that. Wow. Yeah, it kind of sounds like a text message from you, yeah, Ben. G2T. Yeah, G2T. Yeah. <laughs> got to. Yeah. So Kemper drives for three days straight. He eventually reaches Colorado, and he's he's been popping bennies this entire time, hmm. popping trucker speed. He hallucinates most of the drive, and he said that he had the same feeling that he had after he killed his grandparents, this weird, surreal, out-of-body type of experience. Right. Yeah, he said, Wow, I've got to stop this before because it is getting out of hand. I am not going to be responsible for what happens any further, and I don't like that idea. <laughs> no, definitely not. So he, he, This is what I want to say. To me, with this show, again is guys out there when you're driving wear a seatbelt because you don't know seatbelt 60% of the guys on the road have just killed eight women their mother <laughs> right, their right. mother's best friend they're driving around on Benny so be careful and buckle up and he was expecting a manhunt because the, he expected because the police because he found, thought that this was a part of a big fucking right. intricate game with the police yeah he thought that the police had been watching him and as soon as he took off the police were gonna raid the house find all the bodies but Nobody gave a fuck that Clarnell and Sally were dead. Let's just face it. They sucked. <laughs> I mean, nobody seems to care about a lot of people here. But on the other hand, most people who knew Clarnell, like she was very popular at work. No, she was very good at what she, yeah, she, she was, was good at her job. She so, had a distinct problem with men and with Eddie in general. Yeah. And I think it's because he was a co-ed butcher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that'll <laughs> yeah, do it. Yeah, it's because he was a bit of a bastard. Mm -hmm. uh, so three days went by. He heard no word on the radio of anyone finding the bodies. He stopped in Pueblo, Colorado, called up the Santa Cruz PD to confess to the killings. It took him several calls they to convince him to, that he was serious. They told him to Jesus. call back. <laughs> call back. Yeah. I just killed eight women. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah I know, I know. But the thing is, we're waiting. The buzzer's broken outside of the station, and we've <laughs> ordered a couple of pizzas. We're having a bit of a pizza party. It's Marty's birthday. So if you could just wait, we need to keep <laughs> these lines again. open. Yeah. And he was so well-liked and so well-known by the police department, they thought that he was drunk. Like, it took him several calls, because he knew these detectives by name. He knew who was on the case. Right. He's like, yeah, I need to talk uh, to Detective Sturgill. And they called up Detective Sturgill. He's like, hey, listen, I, I got to tell you, I, I just killed my mother and her friend, and I'm also the co-ed killer. And they were like, they're so used right. to him being a bumblebutt around the bar, <laughs> mm -hmm. because he said that that was a carefully crafted persona that yeah. he had with them. Yeah, it really was. He was just kind of a, a goof. Right. He was a, a police groupie, uh, as they called him. And then he was it. just a harmless eccentric that was just, you know. Pain just, in the ass. The guy who'd buy you a beer and he'd, he'd jaw your, your ear off and he'd fucking put bad songs on the jukebox. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, He's know. the guy that when you're out drinking, when he shows up and you're sober, you're like, ah, fuck Kemper, okay, I guess. And then after you have like five beers, yeah, he's, he's, your, best guy. he's yeah. your best friend. He's your best friend. Right, right, right. So yeah. he uh, said that he had gone all the way to Pueblo. It was weird that one time we all got together that one night and he raped that head of lettuce. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was funny, though. I, I it was kind of funny. We, was it was funny. a good time. We had a lot yeah. of Jaeger that you remember, night, so you I remember, just Henry, dismissed it. Yeah, you remember. You ate it afterwards. I had to. Yeah. <laughs> we called it an Eddie salad. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Yeah, he said that he went all the way to Pueblo because he said he was afraid if he went straight to the local police department, they would shoot first and ask questions, ask questions later, and he was, quote, Terrified of violence. <laughs>
I'm yeah. a fucking pussy. Yeah. So, and I really do think that if Ed hadn't turned himself in and hadn't killed his mother, very likely he could have reached Bundy numbers. But he, once sure. he killed his mom, it was all done. Well, it was think- a de- he was, as we said in the first episode, he was a, a displacement killer. He couldn't right. kill his mother, so he killed the next best thing, the women that his mother wouldn't let him meet. But after he was caught, yeah. they basically, he said multiple times, if I was on the street, I'd kill again. Yeah, he yeah, said yeah, it. He's yeah. he come up, went out and said it, which oh, everyone yeah. else is. That's where the, I would say he's on, the only honest thing he said. Yeah, where all the other killers would be like, ah, oh, you know, Dahmer found Christ and everyone knows. Where mm-hmm. it's just like he he knows. It's he knows exactly what yeah. he is. It's interesting. It's almost like a horror movie in the way that they they found what you know he found what was uh, cursing him this whole time. His mother. It's like when you find the bones and you have to. Put him in the sunlight at 5 a.m. to break the curse. But there's a <laughs> four-sequel contract that right. forces you to make more after you make the awesome <laughs> ending of the first one. Right, yeah. right. So Kemper pleaded not guilty by reason of insanity, but three different court psychiatrists declared him to be sane. This is very interesting. Kemper, uh, his diagnosis has been used since then as the standard for what legal insanity is, hmm. i.e., by reason of disease or defect, the defendant did not know what he was doing was wrong. Yeah. So that is that's still used to this day, as far as the uh, insanity defense goes. Uh, mm-hmm. And when they asked him what he thought was a fitting, fin- uh, fitting punishment, he said, "You know what? I've been thinking about this moment from childhood." He told the judge that he ought to be tortured to death. Huh. Uh, but the death penalty at the time was suspended nationwide, and mm-hmm. he was sentenced to uh, life in prison. Uh, spent a short stint in the California medical facility in Vacaville, California, and here he met up with his nemesis, his only competition, Herbert Mullen. God, Herbert! <laughs> this would have been a fun time for him and the judge to play Gas Chamber, yeah. his favorite childhood game. That's true, yeah. that's true. Yeah, so he killed 13, he believed that he was trying to prevent an earthquake, yeah. and Kemper said mm-hmm. he was just a cold-blooded killer, killing everything he, everybody he saw for no good reason. Right, you're a no class killer. I'd say. Yeah, that's what he yelled yeah. at her. Yeah, he's like, you're no, and the, so, they would, and he would tease her. He would call him Herbie because Herbert hated it. Because Herbert had a high habit of singing in a high pitched, squeaky voice while people were watching TV. Yeah, he was just like bunch of idiots watching the TV. What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do about it? It's a real <laughs> odd couple. I love it. Oh yeah. Uh, so finally, like Kimber got sick of it, and he got into the habit of throwing water on uh, like a cat like you would a cat Right. He would throw water on him, and then when he was, he said, when he was a good boy, I'd give him peanuts. He oh, that's said, that, nice. yeah, he said that was effective, effective because pretty soon Herbie would actually ask permission to sing. Oh, he I trained fucking... this man like a cat. What an dog. annoying room of losers! <laughs> oh, yeah. it is. It's like... just like it's like that's the thing is you can see this context of just right. being like a group of just fucktards that are just <laughs> the worst Ooh, dudes the... to hang out with. Ooh. Yeah, there's one guy just saying like. And you got a bumble butt just going like, shut up, parrot. Yeah, it's a peanut, you parrot. <laughs> Meanwhile, you're just a rapist trying to calmly watch some baseball. Right, right. And it's you're like, just sitting there just, guys, guys, guys. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's like grumpier old men or grumpy old uh, men, but, uh, you know, just in prison. Class, some yeah. classy art thief who's forced yeah. to be dealing with it. He's just being like, yeah. where is it mighty? I remember when I stole the Mona Lisa from the Louvre, and now mm-hmm. I'm here. Ah, oh, fate, cruel, torturous fate. <laughs> yeah, they're just so dumb. They're all so stupid. Yeah, he said that it, quote, stuck in his craw. That mm. uh, Kemper got eight out of eight counts of first degree murder, while Mullen only got two. 
two out of six, uh, two out of thirteen counts of first degree murder. But he followed up wow. by saying, "I guess that's kind of hilarious. My sitting here so self righteously talking like that after what I've done." Right? <laughs> yeah, that is hilarious. Yeah, it is hilarious. That's, that's that is all funny. part of Ed Kemper's thing. He believes himself to be special. Yes, like Obviously, he, yeah. yeah, he believes himself to be special. His well, crimes are very personal. Yes, uh, and they were, and, and he felt that he, he had a, there's reason. Yes, and he believed that they had a. He is a man of reasons, mm-hmm. and he believed that they. Uh, had special connections. Him and the corpses had a special connection. I mean, it was all in loser talk yeah. because it was all like yeah. staring at the girl who comes into the Seven Eleven while you work at the cashier all day, just being like, "Ah, just I know we could be together. She just gave me a chance, and I could show her all the d- delicious, spicy del- Dorito curls." All right, just the bubblicious for you again today. Okay, I love you, Becky. Nope. I, I, there's more customers behind you. Did I say it out loud, or was I just thinking it? <laughs> I love you, babe. Are you? Mm. She won't give me a chance. <laughs> <laughs> so while he was at Vacaville, he also participated in reading audio books for the blind. He's got a very nice voice. He does. He, does. he spent more than five thousand hours in the booth in front of a microphone over 10 years he has more than four million feet of tape and several hundred books to his credit so he's really one of the most successful voiceover people in california at the time actually he probably is yeah, yeah. regular him james and, earl jones him and mel blank yep. <laughs> included in his work is a children's book called the trumpet of the swan mm. the fourth book of the dune series Fuck yeah and a novelization of the Star Wars trilogy. It's oh. unbelievable they gave him... This is such a great job. This is the perfect job. I'm very job jealous that he has this job. <laughs> this is what you want, technically, if you could read out loud. Yeah. That would be helpful. <laughs> so there is... We found the only thing we could find. We couldn't find any full recordings of his audiobooks. The only thing that we found listed... We did find an example uh, on the uh, volunteersofvacaville.org where they list a lot of the books that Edmund Kemper read. He read Flowers in the Attic. Uh, Now, I've never read Flowers in the Attic, but apparently it is a horror novel. It's a very famous horror novel. I've never read it myself. Uh, But he read so many... Let's listen to... The Melodious uh, Tunes. The Melodious Tunes. Of of Eddie Kemper. Of Eddie Kemper. Chapter 1. Goodbye, Daddy. (laughs) Truly, when I was very young, way back in the 50s, I believed all of life would be like one long and perfect summer day. After all, it did start out that way. There's not much I can say about our earliest childhood except that it was very good, and for that, I should be everlastingly grateful. We weren't rich, we weren't poor. If we lacked some necessity, I couldn't name it. If we had luxuries, I couldn't name those either without comparing what we had to what others had, and nobody had more or less in our middle-class neighborhood. In other words, short and simple, we were just ordinary run-of-the-mill children. Cool. Chapter 1, paragraph 1. Flowers Goodbye, in the Daddy. I love it. I love it. I yeah. put a great little... He also wrote a series of short stories yeah. uh, that I, c- I can't find. If anybody can find it... Please send it to me. I've been digging and digging and digging. I can't find any of it, but he definitely wrote a bunch of short stories. Yeah. And I think most of them were called like, Mommy's Blowing Me Again. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's all yeah, just yeah. like stuff like that. Yeah. And yeah. if you can't find them, just, just write your own and just sign it at Kemper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who knows? We're not going to know the difference. Who knows? Yeah. So right now, he is uh, he's still alive. Uh, right. And he's in Folsom State Prison. Mm. Here's a very interesting thing. Uh, Folsom 
also has an insurance agency called Kemper Preferred. Interesting. It's a real interesting thing. Uh, Uh, So Ed, of course, ever the talker, he has one of the most famous quotes in serial killer history. When he asked, what do you think now when you see a pretty girl, he said, one side of me says, wow, what an attractive chick. I'd like to talk to her, date her. The other side of me says, I wonder how her head would look on a stick. Classic, though. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's that's every like time I look pop. at a person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's that's an absolute classic one. I mean, that that's yeah. up there with, uh, you know, I ate her buttocks. I did not fuck her, though. She died a virgin. It's it's up there with that. <laughs> it's up yeah. there. Yeah, it's yeah, classic. Up there oh with, God. like, serial it's killers are your fathers, your brothers, your uh, your husbands. We yeah, are like, everywhere. Or everywhere you get every you Like, every time you get everything right, and the, the tenth time you forget where the lug wrench is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's up there. It's up it's, there. It's, guys... Yep. This is. I just think it's interesting. I just think you know, it's like uh, fucking learn how to talk to people. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you want to talk. To don't you. be yeah. a big fucking bumblebutt. But if you're ever described as a bumblebutt, seek to change it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, unless it's really funny and people love you because of your bumblebutt. Yeah, yeah. There's plenty of lovable bumblebutts out sure. there. We got yeah. three right here. We're they all call us bumble a couple bu- of bumblebutts. Bumble yeah, butts. a trio of bumblebutts. Uh huh. <laughs> that's that's so, what we are. Oh. A confederacy of bumblebutts. How's that? I love it. <laughs> um, Kemper's still alive. He's got to be in his early 70s now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. His I last interview so. was in 1991. He did it with this weird French guy. Really cool interview. Yeah. Crazy. Um, yeah, he is. I mean, I think now he's probably pushing 350. Oh, he's oh, a big. Yeah. He's a big. You don't eat very yeah. healthy in jail. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All that power. Yeah, he's uh, gigantic. But yeah, that's that's Ed Kemper wow. part two. Yeah, we really wrapped that one up, man. Ooh, Jesus Christ, what a tale. Yeah. Uh, so again, yeah, don't hitchhike if you are. If someone says put on the handcuffs, don't do it unless it's a really saucy BDF, BDSM situation. Let and them you guys are kill friends. you. Yeah, let them kill you quick. Make them kill you quick. Or fight back and don't die. Yeah, figure out a way. Yeah, figure out a way. All right, everyone. Ooh. Thank you so much. So for glad listening. I'm normal. That's yeah, those listeners. Yeah, listening. I mean, honestly, yeah. Always with the big hitters, the the brains of these guys. I am not envious. I've, no one's envious of them. But it is just, uh, it's a, uh, it's an awful existence for everybody. Yes, yeah. it really is. Hail Satan! Thank you for your gifts. I've used magic this week, and it has helped me. Uh, yeah, shout out uh, to the person who uh, gave you the drawing, Henry. An amazing oh, Gacy drawing. It's. Uh, Brittany, that that painting is amazing. It gave me true magic power. It is yes. up in my it's up in my bedroom right now, and it will scare uh, whatever it, whatever human ends up in there. You made him lonely for another three months, <laughs> but that painting is going to last a lifetime. Yes, yes, so that's amazing. And we've also got to give a shout out to Lisa Willis, Lisa Willis, for a very generous donation. Thank you so much. That really, really, really helps us out a you're, lot right now. You're the now. best, Lisa. You're yeah. the absolute best. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. We'll see you soon. And thank, thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Miss Lisa Willis. And if you guys want to donate, uh, if you donate $25 or more, you get a free Last Podcast on the Left t-shirt. Go to cavecomedyradio.com slash Podcast on the left. To do that, $25 domestic, $40 international. Be sure to go to iTunes, rate and review. That's really helping us out a lot. Follow us on Twitter, LP on the left. We've got we've gained quite a few followers there right now. We're posting all kinds of great shit on there. Uh, and uh, yeah, join the Facebook group and live show. 
live show on, let's the see here. The 28th, I believe. The, I believe it's the 28th. Yes, live show on Saturday, uh, March 28th. Uh, here at the Creek in the Cave, 1093 Jackson Avenue in Long Island City, New York, off the G train, off the 7 train, off the E train. We're going to be starting at 10 p.m. Uh, it's going to be a fucking amazing live show this month. Uh, I'm very excited. It's going to be a ripper it. and a dumper. Ripper it, and a dumper. Both and, of those. And Heil Gein, ladies and gentlemen. Heil no. me! Now! Do it now! Have I done a Hail, hail Yourselves? If we yeah, that's a good idea. And a Magustulations to everyone. Oh, yeah, to every single one of you. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to cavecomedyradio.com. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says here I have to talk about something I need to get off my chest, and I guess I can share it here. I, I eat mayonnaise for fun. It's a hobby of mine, and it's an addiction. It's a daily weight on my life how much i need whipped egg whites and oil crammed into my veins as soon as i wake up and a lot of people carry around a lot of different stressors big and small some people are presidents some people are soldiers some people have to eat mayonnaise especially with hard-boiled eggs which is what i eat for lunch but i guess i should share that in therapy because therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And what I do is I just add eggs if I have mayonnaise left over. I just continue to add the eggs. But if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I hope they can help me. My God. I hope they can help me. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today. To get 10% off your first month. That's better help. H-E-L-P dot com slash last pod.